Yo, what's good, y'all? Welcome to another episode of Fun With Dumb. I know for the last couple of months, I've been having my regular co-hosts, and we kind of broke format of how we usually conduct our podcast because of, obviously, the quarantine and the pandemic. A lot of guests didn't want to come come to the studio. Um, and just recently, I'm trying to get back into the groove of actually having um, just different types of guests, like the way we used to have in the first couple episodes and stuff. So... Uh, this is a homie right here that I met a couple weeks back, uh, brand new, didn't know about him or nothing. We had dinner through a mutual friend, and there was like so much common ground through uh, the, the Los Angeles upbringing that we had. And it was just nostalgic for me <laughs> to kind of run into him because it's like the type of homies that I grew up, you know, like it, it, when I went to school in Los Angeles, like all my teenage years as a skateboarder, a little punk hip hop kid and shit, <laughs> you know, and the Latino community, all that. Uh, he's a writer. He was a former writer for the New York Times. He's an author of a brand new book he just dropped. This is the homie Walter Thompson Hernandez. How you doing, sir? What's up, man? What's going on, bro? I'm Thanks good, bro. I dap you up right now, you know. Bro. I, I know, but it's like quarantine and shit. <laughs> I know, I know, I know, bro. Um, <laughs> let me just uh, like t talk to the people about like uh, you know when we met and we just talking about LA shit. Yeah. Uh, pretty much, that's the best explanation. Um, uh, like how did you how did you just kind of get into writing focused like focused on a lot of LA topics yeah. you know I, I mean um, I just feel like you know it's very few of us right like from LA who are here doing like you know creative work I feel like you know you can speak to this too right like in most meetings you're, you're in probably throughout the day like myself included you know I'll be in these like type of meetings and I'm usually like the only dude who's from LA right like it's always like three cats from like Ohio, like two people from Minnesota, right, some right. New Yorkers. And, and, and so I'm like, man, I feel like if you're from LA, like we really sort of have to like preserve our stories. Cause like, if we don't tell them, somebody else is gonna tell them easy. Right. You know, in, in, in like a really quick way. You know, transplants always do that here. But I feel like for me, like all this kind of started, you know, about six, seven years ago when I just started like, you know, pitching different like, you know, media companies. And like, I was in grad school thinking I, I was gonna go like the academic route. I was in like a master's program. PhD program at UCLA and then I was like you know that's not it but I also just want to tell LA stories around the world essentially you know and and so I got hired by the um by the New York Times and started traveling a lot man and yeah kind of like here we are you know was that was that like a like a dream getting hired by the <laughs> New York Times because it's such a huge yeah. media company you know you, you know to be honest like I don't even know if if I dreamed of that growing up, but it just, it kind of just happened. That's true. It's not like we're in LA. So right, it's not like right. New York Times. <laughs> New York one Times day. Right. Yeah. No, like I, I I don't know if that was the energy, but like I was so excited. Like when I got hired, to be honest with you, man, like I feel like like I cried like yeah. on the phone. I remember yeah. distinctly because I was at my aunt's house, and like you know, it's like one of those experiences where like you just know that after this call, things are gonna change for you. Right. And right. they did. Right. Like, you know. So I, I remember I, I was at my aunt's house, and like six interviews later, when like they offered me the job. Like I, I just started crying on the phone because I was like, you know, it, things gonna change for like me and my family, and, and they have. And I think a lot of that is their their interest in how connected you were to the real LA, yeah, right? Yeah. I feel like, and it, and when we talk about LA, I think we should kind of clarify what that means because <laughs> to a lot of people, it means different things. Right. People come here to the city 
in pursuit of the Hollywood dream. Right, right. And me and the homies talk about this all the time, this like LA versus Hollywood. Right, 100%. The Hollywood version of what LA is. Totally. And there's two different versions. Right, right. You know, and we see it in social media, always cats like talking shit about LA, how fake it is. Like they don't, all the time, right. They don't really know what's up with the real LA. Nah, nah. You know what I'm saying? Well, nah. how would you describe like your version of LA? Man, 100%. Like it's, it's so true because it's like, it's Hollywood and, and, and like the rest of LA, right? And, and I feel like if you're from LA, you hear all these like tropes and all these like stereotypes about the city and you're like, that's not what I know, right? right? Like fake ass people or like, you know, like superficial folks. I'm like, you know, so, so for me, it's like, I grew up in Southeast LA in Huntington Park, right by Watts, right? And then we moved to Venice, right? And, and Venice, like when I was there, it was all black and brown folks. So I feel like our, our version of, of, of LA are like really like PLC heavy, you know, PLC oriented, like immigrant folks, mm -hmm. you know, working class folks. And I feel like a lot of people don't get those stories and like to your point earlier about like you know folks want the real la and, and yeah. i feel like folks like us like offer that perspective and that lens and like you know for a lot of people like our homies it's not new information right yeah. like like the stories we tell it's like oh yeah you know like the p line episode I just had or whatever like these are la stories but to the world it's like it's like wow that's la too you know so yeah it's, it's interesting man no i feel you i mean i remember me growing up as a young asian kid and First time going like south of Pico, yeah. you know what I'm saying? And yeah. going to like an open mic in Lamert Park. Right. And it was an eye opener for me because what I knew about the black community growing up at the time is like everything on the radio or television right. and gangster rap and right. all that. And I would meet these like young, like nerdy anime black mm -hmm. kids mm -hmm. from the hood, hood. Right, 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 right. And they that really changed my perception. Totally. And then even in high school, going skateboarding with like young Mexican punk rock kids. Totally, totally. And then knowing about all these little subcultures like the whole Morrissey fan base. Right, 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 Latinos, right, right, right. And so you, you, you start seeing these subcultures and that's why I kind of wanted to jump into this next thing because you just wrote a book. Mm -hmm. And this is something that cats, um, I mean, in LA have seen or heard about, but like now, people are really recognizing mm -hmm. this and it's, it's called the compton cowboys um i'll put it right here just in case uh, sure, you can see you. that right tony right there okay the compton cowboys uh talk about the compton cowboys a little yeah bit. yeah yes yeah. so, so uh the compton cowboys like where i grew up i, I grew up uh, right, right off of alameda street right and like in compton like my mom would always like we'd always go like shopping at the compton swap meet like every weekend and so like i, I remember being like six or seven years old and like driving down Alameda Street and like, I look to my right and it, it's like these two black men on horses. And that shit was crazy because like, <laughs> you know, like th that's a story like that none of us ever grow up learning about. Right. You know? So it's like, like black folks ride horses, right? And it's crazy because yeah, yeah. like my dad's black and, and, and my mom was Mexican. So I knew Mexican folks rode horses. Right, like, right. Like that's so normalized, but like, Seeing, seeing black men on horses like really fucked me up. That's kind of crazy. We wouldn't even like that. We're just not used to that. If you right. saw a black dude on a horse, we're already like. I was like, wait, what? The yeah, fuck? Yeah, yeah. Right? Like, like just tripping. And, and then, and then, like, I, I never forgot that feeling. And as a New York Times writer, I remember like I had just gotten back from like Ghana or somewhere working on a story, and I was like, man, I'm homesick. I'm trying to be home for like a few weeks, you know. So like, I better work on a story here. So I, you know, I, I thought about like them and, and i found them on, on on instagram and like the rest is history like i sent them a dm and you know it, it was just like a story that you know a lot of folks like know about the compton cowboys don't know about them but now everyone knows about them you know G give a little brief like mm -hmm. story on like what the origins of the compton cowboys yeah, and yeah. how that came out to be as like a collective of like uh, uh um you know young black people just riding horses for in sure, compton for sure absolutely so, so, so you know like 
the Compton Cowboys are essentially like the 2.0 version of like Compton's Cowboys, right? Like okay. there was like a whole first generation of black folks who came from like Louisiana and Texas and Oklahoma who arrived to LA like in the 40s, 50s and 60s, right? They set up shop in Compton in this sort of like agriculture community called the Rich and Farms, which is like kind of wild if you think about it. Like, you know, most folks, when they hear about Compton, they think about what Easy right. e right? Mm-hmm. Like Dre, Gangster Rap, stuff like that. They don't imagine that there's like a thriving horse ranch right in the heart of Compton. So the Compton Cowboys kind of like come from that area. And like, it's essentially where like every horse ride in Compton begins and ends, right? And, and it's really dope because like, these are all like the second generation riders and who started riding in this um, youth club called the uh, Compton Junior Posse. And so they kind of like officially banded together in 2017. And like, they've been doing it, man. Like they've been like, you know, trying to like both reinsert the black cowboy back into the history books, but yeah. also like make riding cool again, you know? And, yeah. and they're really doing it. It's interesting because this started, this book project started with an article mm-hmm. you, you wrote, right? Yeah. Was that for the New York Times? New York Times article, yeah. And uh, it, it was, was it something that just kind of, we wanted to further elaborate into a full book yeah. or were people, the interest was the interest so, you know, 100%. the light was on, on this? I mean, to, to be honest, like the light was on it, like the agents was on it, yeah. you know, everyone was on it, you yeah. know? And, and so, I, I mean, like I said, I wasn't even thinking about book deal, none of that. Right. Like, it it kind of just like fell in my lap and I was like, okay, I'll write a book, you know? Cause it, you know it, it's like a dope experience to be able to like take like a two thousand words feature story and like turn that into like an eighty thousand word project, yeah. right? And also like you know the film deal also came became because of that. And yeah, um, I just felt like it was like a, a dope way to like shed more light on, on their experience. Yeah, and did they appreciate that too? Oh, like, for sure, man. Far. Like, like, <laughs> like yeah, no, it, it was dope because like actually, what was rare about this book deal is that like it was like a collaboration agreement between right. me and the Cowboys. So like most of the funds go back to the, to, to the ranch essentially. Right. You know, which is like really rare. Like in, in, in most cases, author gets 100% of, 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 of the deal. But in, in this case, they got a, a large percentage. And I was like, the ranch is, is, is about to get that money. And that's dope. You know, I think a writer coming <laughs> in, you know, comes from a similar background yeah, to kind yeah. of tell that story. Mm-hmm. There's more of a trust there. Man, 100%, right? Because like uh, historically, it's been white folks like parachuting into these communities of color. Yeah. Like our communities around the world essentially, right? right? So it's like, what's different about this story is that like, I'm not some white dude from like Connecticut who like flew into LA to work on this story. Like right. it literally took me five minutes to get to the ranch every single day. Yeah. And like, we're all the same age. Like we all grew up, you know, talking the same way, listening to the same music. And so most times like, I had to remind myself that I was there working. Right. Because right. I was there chilling. Yeah. You know, just like chilling with my homies. And, and I think, like, hopefully that comes out in the book, like the love, the, the appreciation, and the honesty, you know? No, I feel that, man. I talk, That's something I talk about a lot about us really having to own our stories. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And, like, take that, take charge of that before somebody comes in and does that. Because they'll do it. They will. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, you already know because <laughs> right, right, you right. dropped the article and mad fools were Boom. like, this shit is hard. It was like, on it, bro. That, no, that, that, for sure. I couldn't do it. I, I've been to enough meetings right, to know right. if I hear the Compton Cowboys. You're like, oh, shoot, what's up? Like, I, right. wanna, I would want to jump on that right. as, like, a board dude at a studio or right. something of course you know, it's a gold mine it's, it's a gold mine man. for all these poc stories being told man. you know what i'm saying so you got to jump on that and and it's not even for the sake of like oh making money or that it's, it's really just i i get a good feeling out of knowing that damn we took ownership of this story we told it it's you our know story bro. yeah you know that's amazing bro yeah. um far as uh your upbringing mm-hmm. um you you actually Majored in like uh, uh, what is it, Latino uh, studies or Latin American studies, Latin American studies at Stanford. Yeah, I went to Stanford for my master's. Um, I I went to undergrad in Portland, and then after like 
my master's i was i was at ucla in a phd program in in, in chicano studies ethnic studies and like like i said man i was like heavy into like the academic right i thought that was for me you know yeah. like i had this idea of becoming a professor it seemed romantic you know what i'm saying like yeah. but bro like i just feel like a phd program like spending six seven years in that like wasn't for me you were ready to kind of it was like a, a college ball player just like ready, <laughs> ready to, to go pro ready right to go pro <laughs> no like, but, but but exactly in the field you know man, just, just ready but also it, it's like we over here arguing about some like theoretical ass shit in class that I don't really care about. Yeah, yeah. Where as like we could be out in the world working on stories that the people actually read, you know, and, right? And 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 view. So yeah, it, and it then was, you jumped in, and the things were kind of already moving. You had you realized you had stories that were ready to be told. Yeah, like it was a no brainer. I was like, man, I'd rather be out in the world telling stories, and like you know, the rest is history. Yeah, man. Uh, I just got put onto your uh, podcast. Word. Uh, California love. Uh, it, it, and it, you know, you told me about this. It was r just right about to drop when I met you that week. Yeah, yeah, that that week. And man, like I and you told me it was gonna be real L.A. And you listened to it. And I was like, <laughs> he was like, I don't know, right? Nah, that shit was L.A. as fuck. And I, I, I even I even recognized the graph artist you mentioned, bro. Right, like Aloe and Sight. I would see them all the time. Up, my boys, I would man. see them up all the time 100%, in L.A. Yep. And it's so weird when you when you talk about like graffiti artists, you know, on your podcast, yeah. like. A format you never would hear names like that mm -hmm, on. You know mm -hmm, what I'm saying? Mm -hmm, and then mm -hmm. you, you, you like, oh shit! Like I would see those names up, and yeah. there's a feeling of like you knowing them almost. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you'd yeah. see them every day, but never really think about like mm -hmm. who's behind it, kind of. Like listen, I don't know. Listen, and, and I feel like you know two things, right? Number one, that's how folks usually look at graffiti, right? Yeah. Like like folks see a message on a wall because it is a message right like every form of graffiti on the wall is like a communication it's telling a story right like you know the wall is telling you like who's beefing yeah who just died you know it's it's, it's, it's talking you know it's, it's it's like a story happening so i see folks see that and like they just see the graffiti they don't see like the art or the person right yeah and also number two with with, with, uh, with that story it's like you know, usually like stories about graph and graffiti are like told about these like famous artists, you know, t told from some person who like never actually was in the world doing graffiti. And I think for me, it's like I'm able to both be the, the, the participant and the observer. Right. Yeah. Well, like, I'm talking about my experiences and experiences of Alan Sight, who are legends, you know, so like it, it, it's a special story, man. Yeah, it was dope. I mean, these this, so this podcast, California Love is like these like. Uh, journalism pieces um, broken down into episodes, 30 minutes or so episodes. Um, you're two episodes in deep, and both the first one is about your experiences as a young graffiti writer in Los Angeles and how it was almost short lived after an experience that <laughs> yeah. you've had. Yeah. And then you went into this different route, and then you kind of reconnect with your old uh, yeah. writer friends. Mm -hmm. And then the second episode is about um, uh, the party line. <laughs> and for those who aren't familiar with the party line, why don't you go into that for a little sure. bit? Man, the, the, the party line was like, like this like wild phone line that that we used to call it to every single night right like me and my homies from like the ages of like 11 to 15 like we were on it consistently and like basically what it was was like you would call into this like free number and it was like 10 or 12 different rooms where like everything will go down yeah. right like like think about it, like all, all these teenagers people in their early 20s are calling the p-line to like hook up yeah to like flirt to like talk shit to like t uh, bang bang on each other like yeah. everything was happening and it's like the p-line is like where so many of us created these like alternate sort of identities for ourselves right so on the p line like my name was little brownie yeah, yeah right yeah. i was like 18 <laughs> years old i was like a mechanic in culver city right and like you know I, and like now i'm like why was i doing that like why was i creating this, this like identity for me right but we were all doing that though because like 
I think it's actually kind of deep. You know, it, you know, the P line was like pre social media, right? Like pre Instagram. I, I the thing is, when you mentioned this, I remember this, but I wasn't heavily on it. Yeah, I think I was on it like two, three times. <laughs> yeah, and I, yeah. I never want like, I guess the young AZN version of that yeah. was like. AOL Instant Messenger or right, something like right, that. Right, 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 and right. I would say it's that's kind of similar the same way we were like this alter ego totally. and persona. ASL, right? Yeah, <laughs> ASL, all that shit. Right, but right, right. Party Line was kind of more of a raw version of that. It was like a house party version of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> no, no, 100%. It was yeah. a house party and it was like everything went down the P-Line, right? Like the P-Line is, is like where you first have phone sex with someone. The, that's the, wild. The, the, the P-Line yeah. is, is, is like where you like learn how to talk to folks like in like a sexual romantic way. Yeah. You know? and, a, and a lot of us like you know, got better at talking to like girls or dudes like on the P line, and it, it, it all That's went down. That's I should have been, man. Yeah, I, I should have more game. <laughs> the, the, my aim game was legit. It but was strong. Not the, not the, yeah, not like when I met them in person. Right, you're like, oh, <laughs> froze <so>. the fuck <laughs> up, bro. Low Brownie, that was that was your alias. That was and, my name, man. And like, you got on this pretty early, right? Yeah, I, I, I was like 11 years old, and I was like. It's little brownie. Like for some reason, I was like, "That was my name," you know. <laughs> no, that that episode was pretty deep, man. Mm -hmm. You had a lot of time with a lot of people talking about their insecurities when they yeah. were young, mm -hmm. and you know, some dark experiences mm -hmm. from the P line, and like, and then the sound design was really dope on that, bro. Yeah. Like, 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 you know, our team is, is hella dope, man. Like, you know, at the outset of the show, I was like, "Listen, like, or, or of that episode, I was like, I want to recreate the P line." Yeah. Right? And, and they were like, first of all, what's the P line? You know, and second of all, like, how do we do that? And I feel like my team was like so receptive and, 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 and really kind of like, you know, like I'm, I'm someone, I, I come in with like wild ideas. I'm like, hey, let's do, because I'm not like a podcaster per se, right? right, right. So, so I'm bringing in like, like a whole different energy right. where it's like kind of like. You're not restrained by the rules I'm that not. they might have set. Yeah. I'm, I'm pushing the form, yeah, right? Yeah. So I'm, I'm pushing the form. And sometimes they're like, bro, like chill, we, we can't do that. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes they're like, yeah, why not? You, you know, so it, it worked out in like, our team is so great, and, and I'm really thankful for them. Have you found this kind of new format, this auditory element, like really exciting and fun to play with? Yeah, it's you know, sound is so intimate, man. Yeah, like it's my first time like hosting like like an audio show. Like I've hosted documentaries and stuff, but I've never only focused on audio. And it's just like you speak into a mic, you know, and it's just so intimate, so beautiful. But also in terms of like letting people speak, you know, speak for themselves. Like you know, I'm not pulling quotes from like an interview or something like that. It's like you're literally allowing people to like tell their own story. And yeah. like to me, there's nothing more beautiful about that. Yeah, and and then I I just noticed these layers you hear and the spacing of it all. It just really makes it like more intimate and deep. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah. It just sets a really nice tone. Yeah, no, it, it's like super experiential, you know? Yeah. And, and, and it's like, when you hear the show, it, it's like environmental as well. There's like, it's super sound rich and it, it's really dope, man. The, this California Love um, show, can we uh, talk a little bit about what we can expect as far as the upcoming episodes yeah. um, that focus specifically on, on L.A. For or sure. California? You totally, know? man. So the next episode uh, that drops on Thursday is about Kobe, right? And, and you know, Kobe to a lot of us, like, was a, a big figure in our lives, sure. you know, really complicated figure, you know, for obvious reasons. But I think, like, it goes without saying that Kobe meant so much to the city. So... This next episode is about like my experience one time with like meeting Kobe and playing basketball with him and then mm. like walking him to his car and, and oh, kind of that's hard. Oh, dude, dude it's hard. That is hard. It, 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 when did that happen? Man, it happened. In, so, so I used to hoop, man, right? Yeah, and, yeah. and it happened at UCLA. Like I was playing with all the pros and like Kobe walks in, man, and just like fucks up my life, you know, because Kobe was like an idol. Yeah. And so we're like hooping and like I score a basket on Kobe and fuck me up in a really great way. And like <laughs> later that day, like the person who, who, who I pulled up to the, uh, the gym with, um, Coach Hazard, 
he was then the, the Lakers assistant coach. So, like, Kobe asked him to walk into his car, and I was a coach hazard. So, like, wherever, wherever he was going, I was going. So, I go to his car, and I'm, I'm, I'm walking by Kobe, and, like, the hut, like, I don't want to spoil the episode, but, but it's just beautiful. But it also talks about, like, what Kobe meant to the city, you know, right. to L.A., and it's really dope, man. So, so we got that. Uh, after that, um, I, like, wrote this short story about the L.A. Green Parrots, right yeah you're telling me yeah about this. This and, is and an experimental one ex- right? experimental as fuck yeah, and, yeah. And, and i'm basically like one of the parrots and like i take us through because like all the green parrots in la that we see out in the wild they're all from like northeast mexico they were okay. all brought here in cages and shit so like i go deep and i'm like one of these parrots and like i, I walk us through the whole thing about getting to That's la dope. and and kind of like social commentary on like our current immigration system mm. about how broken it is you yeah know? how we got children in cages you know at the border and stuff like that. that that's the interesting thing i mean just talking about that alone you know i was uh born in argentina mm-hmm. and my mom you know s- snuck me and my younger sister in when i was three and she was one wow as like this korean woman with the coyotes and like she was like really the only like korean woman during this process wow. and I, I i keep thinking about that story and how like interesting that is you know yeah so i feel very connected to this like immigration mm-hmm. uh the uh, problem that's going on right now mm-hmm. with ice and all this mm-hmm. shit mm-hmm. it's like damn that could have went down at any given time 100 then you know right and, and um it's 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 fucked up because like the problems is not getting resolved there's kids still in cages right now and like you know i, I mean i don't even want to go into the presidential no shit, no no 100 it's, it's just a fucking nightmare it's a fucking nightmare right yeah it's a fucking nightmare but we live we're so close to that experience being from la mm-hmm, i feel like mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying yeah yeah 100 and i feel like if you grew up in la you also realize that like it's not just Mexican folks at the border, right? Yeah. Who, who, who experience problems with our broken immigration system. It's like Central American folks, Asian folks, West African folks, like all types of folks, you know, who, who in some way like struggled to find like peace and, 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 and hope in, in LA. Yeah. And so this whole Parrot episode is kind of like a testament to that about how like, you know, this whole idea about, about immigrant folks, you know, being framed as like invasive, you know, like, yeah. like taking away resources. And like the green parrots also are called invasive sometimes, but they're actually making LA better, you know? So, right. th- so yeah, man, I, I mean, I, I feel like that idea about immigration is like so tied to LA cause like, you know. And I don't understand when cats who are from here treat uh, you know, Latino Americans like l- l- uh, outsiders almost. It's crazy because you should have been grown up with that here it's already. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, and I see like footage of Huntington Beach or these areas like hella Ma- hella MAGA cats. You know, wilding and protesting. It's wild, and it's just weird. Like that shit could go on. Yeah, in know? a place like Southern California. Yeah, because right? it feels like this is this is like like their land really yeah you know what i'm saying yeah, and, but, and, and and also i feel like you know la and california right like folks like hail it as like super progressive or, or like you know radical but but it's some racist ass folks out here you oh, know 100%. Like, like this is a yeah. racist city in in, in in so many different ways and also racist states sometimes no we don't re- we don't realize that there was protests even in san diego mm-hmm. like super right-wing conservative yeah, cats. Man. i remember it was one time me and the homegirl went out to San Diego, and the homegirl was wearing this, like, one of them parody Make America Great Again hats, but it was about weed, like, like make weed, you know, which I hate, fucking hate those goddamn, par- even the parody the parody shit, yeah. Because it's still confusing as fuck. Like, like, oh, okay, okay. Yeah, like, what are you really trying to say? Right, 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 right. Like, but she was wearing some of the, like, Make Cannabis Great Again or some shit, but, like, <laughs> these two white dudes passing by, he doesn't know it's a parody. He's like, 
Hell yeah. Oh, he was rocking with it. Yeah, he was oh. like rocking. He didn't see the cannabis part or nothing. He was just like, he's just thinking it's a, you know, MAGA hat. Oh, my God. That's hilarious, right? Wow. And he's just like, <laughs> and we're just like, uh, yeah, we were confused at the time, but that's what we realized <laughs> yeah. went down right there. Right. And that was crazy. hilarious, man. That's um, so crazy, man. I mean, but yeah, man, well, listening to the podcast, I was super stoked to just hear such nostalgic moments like even uh you know me growing up in los angeles of course dabbled and tagging mm-hmm. and writing and we shit. all did we all did yeah i was so trash <laughs> <laughs> went through a variety of names right like, and you know i went to belmont high school that's so right belmont yards right there absolutely man uh, that like, shit was so sick to to see and shit yeah we, 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 we used to always um like from the west side we used to take this uh this like blue bus called the uh, 10 and the 10 bus would like pick you up on, on Bundy and Pico and go on the 10 freeway and drop you off like you know right up the street from uh, Belmont and, and, and drop you off there and, and like we like walk down to the Belmont yards and just be there for hours man yeah L- like you know we, we always got hit up by, by like Temple Street Gang or somebody right. you, you know like always right. messing with us and we, we're always there yeah man I that's that was me like just walking by getting banged on getting banged by like on. Rockwood or that's like right Temple. Yeah, 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 yeah like that all the area. time man all the time yeah I, <laughs> I had a funny story getting banged like coming home from walking from the school bus to the crib um like right on the edge of k-town historic filipino Mm -hmm. town and these three like cholos like they were fully like in work clothes i think from like (laughs) some kind of electronic store because they were like in like full work clothes they pulled up on me it was like i like your chain homie pick off your chain (laughs) i'm like no i'm good (laughs) it's like and then let me try on your chain and take my chain and just walked off and they were literally on just like lunch break a lunch break no a similar story but i got banged on one time uh on the west side off of venice boulevard by these by these three cholo homies yeah. who 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 worked at a at an animal hospital yeah yeah. so yeah. they were on their lunch break walking these these like That's poodles wild. and banged on i'm <laughs> like bro what like you, you walk in the like, poodles like the, with the blue scrubs and everything i'm like damn let me just squeeze it doesn't one stop in. Right, let me let me squeeze one in real quick <laughs> come up real I'm quick like, bro it's, it's like 12 o'clock like chill oh man chill lunch break. Um, let me ask you this, because, I mean, just talking about the Belmont Yards, especially how, you know, uh, when they built, like, a parking lot or, you know, right. high-rise around right. there. Right, Makes me think about the changes in L.A. and what you think about the changes mm-hmm. in L.A. Like, how do you feel like L.A. has changed since this L.A. that you're painting right now man. in your California Love Podcast? Yeah, man, man, so much. You know, to be honest, I feel like making this show was, like, you know, it, it was really beautiful, but it, it was a lot of pain, right? And a lot of sadness that had to be excavated. You know, I feel like so many of my friends have gotten like pushed out of, of LA. You know, the the restaurants I used to go to, like the spots, like a lot of them closed down. And, and so I feel like for a lot of us, man, like we're like leaning heavily into nostalgia because like the future seems mm. like, you know, unstable yeah, for us. Like, I agree. Nostalgia is big right now. It's big yeah. right now because like in, in so many ways, like that's all we got. Right. You know, and, and that keeps us afloat because like it's, it's also really sad too because like it's, it's so many more white folks here, you know, who like had no idea that this community existed here or, or that, that experience ex- existed there. So, man, it's, you know, LA's changed so much, but I think demographically, you know, like folks of color have, have been continued to be pushed out of LA, you know, and, you know, in, in terms of like, like LA, like booming in terms of like creative industries now, like a lot of folks are moving to LA to like be creative and do creative shit. And I feel like people in our communities are the ones who, who are suffering because of that, you know? Yeah, it's it sucks because this LA that you're, the history of LA that you talk about, it, it feels like it can get lost so easily. Yeah. 
because mm-hmm. it's like you don't see that much documentation on it no, and it's don't. like once newer shit comes in and takes over it's like la just becomes almost like a silicon valley of like totally. culture almost totally you know what i'm no, saying yeah, yeah. Of, of creative shit there's totally. creative shit but there's no history behind it right. we don't have a history of la almost right right you know and then you know just talking about just you know we were talking about born and raised right. and stuff they try to salvage that as well yeah. you know yeah. um and it's 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 really sad man i see it in happening in koreatown too mm-hmm. you know I, i've always tried to represent the best parts of koreatown mm-hmm. the culture the food and all that but also show that there's a history behind that That's right. and, and uh, the locals, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and, and I love the idea of integrating, uh, you know, newcomers and all that. But we can do it. For we, sure. can, we can do it. But we definitely it. there's a the, there's a part that catch it like respect, you know, right. of like the cats totally. who've been here. Totally, man. Totally. And, 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 and I feel like it's on us to like to like tell those stories and like maybe like talk about those boundaries, man, because like if we don't do it, who else, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Is, is that, I mean, um, when you were kind of working on this California Love podcast, was it pretty easy to just think of like what you wanted to talk about? I mean, how, how did that come about? Or was there, or was it things like, oh shit, like I kind of low key <laughs> forgot about this? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. No, um, it definitely took like some thinking, like some episodes, like the, like Scare Straight, like, like the first episode for me, I was like, I've always wanted to, to tell this story, you know? I, I think it's a powerful story and like that was only like half the story right like the other half we couldn't really tell because it's really long but like that story was easy the p-line you know i, I haven't thought about the p-line in a long time that's what i'm saying that one was crazy because when yeah. you brought that up like all of a sudden i remembered like, oh, it but shit, i hadn't thought about right. that even like once in like 10 years right, bro. right. yeah no no I, I feel like it was a, it was a conversation i had with like a friend of mine like, like a year ago like talking about the p-line and i was like that'd be a cool episode to 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 do but but the rest like you know like there's like an episode about Kobe, right? Which is like timely because Kobe just passed. There's an episode about the Green Parrots, which like I've always like been fascinated by. There's an episode about my mom. There's like a episode about like the Compton Cowboys. So like you know, um, it it, it was like kind of either or. Yeah, 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 yeah. I I think about that and you know you kind of inspired me with some of these episodes because it makes me think about the nostalgic moments that were so interesting even in the asian community right um, right right like when the, when there was this azn culture this was like rice rockets and right right you know k-swisses and long tees and <laughs> it, a that, lot of yeah. it was actually very influenced by the latino community mm-hmm. you know what i'm yeah. saying it was yeah. like you look at these asian kids and they look like cholos and shit 100 you know 100 so you know with it, the internet culture with aim and everything too right. like that was all part part of it but it's like we don't know how that even formed you know right. so it's like it makes me want to like talk about like how that came about it's hella fascinating man yeah you know it, it's so interesting I, I feel like in terms of like you know there are like racial tensions in la right like yeah. off top like we got to recognize that like you know i've seen it i've experienced it you know it's wild but i also feel like like real la people you know we also grew up with like hella like you know like Hella Asian homies, Latino homies, right. hella black homies. You know, like for real. You the know, influence crosses over. The like, influence crosses. It's crazy. Clearly, you know, it's, 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 like, like we all fuck with each other. We all yeah. love each other. You know what I'm saying? So I feel like real, real LA folks. Like we recognize that. Like how we grew up was like really special. You know? Yeah, yeah. No, it just got me thinking. Um, Cause there was all this like graphic, uh, there was like these online graphics that were spreading. That was this AZN love type stuff, and it was almost similar to Teen Angel mm. in the Latino community mm-hmm. with like the prison art and lowriders yeah, 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 and of all course, that of course. being drawn in and shit. Of course, and I was like, damn, there's a huge similarity there. It's huge, man. 
Yeah, man. What, what's uh, what's next for you, bro? I mean, you got this podcast that's going to yeah. be episodic. Every Thursday it drops yeah. on Spotify and that, like pretty much all streaming Apple, platforms. Spotify, Google Play, wherever. It's called California Love. But mm-hmm. um, what's uh, how, how many episodes of that? It's, it's eight episodes. So we got okay. about like six left or so. Six, six. Five or six and yeah. did you already like record all of them and stuff yeah, yeah so so recorded all of them you know we, you know we, we got really lucky because like we stopped field recording right before the uh, pandemic hit you know so we got Damn, really yeah. lucky man but, but i've been like in the studio doing like final tracking and vocals um what's next man like you know i'm actually like transitioning out of journalism and, and like into tv and film stuff you know like nice. I'm, I'm i'm writing now i'm i'm, I'm directing like a, a short right now and i feel like that's the next evolution, you know. For, Off the for, checklist of all the mediums. Yeah, like, no, but, but for real, man. Like, journalism pieces. No, yeah, I feel like for a lot of us creative folks, like, it, it's not about the medium, you know. It's about, I feel the, that. It's about the story. Yeah. Right? Like, so, certain stories require more sound heavy, like, some are right. more visual. Sometimes we got to write a book, right? But whatever it is, like, if you understand story and narrative, you know, that's all that really matters. And, right. and, and a lot of us do. No, real talk. I We, I, we talked about this the other day yeah. where I want to venture off into uh, – podcast because i've been doing a lot of tv writing and stuff yeah, like that yeah, and, yeah. and i was even want to explore writing a book too but it's, it's intimidating for any cat out yeah, there for yeah. sure coming from no background mm-hmm. college or nothing mm-hmm. it could be intimidating to be like i'm gonna write a book right but you made it seem like very comforting like i can do it <laughs> you know? yeah i mean i mean i mean it, you know it's it's possible man i feel like like the structure of writing right kind of fucks with us right because a lot of us were like you know grew up like reading the classics or whatever and like that's not how we speak. That's not like r- really how we how we see the world. But I feel like today there's like more of a market and, and more appreciation for like honest and real and raw voices. Yeah. Right. And I feel like, you know, this book, like I'm not writing like some old white dude. Like I'm writing how I speak in in in, in most situations. I mean, even the podcast. Even to the be podcast, honest, that bro. was actually comforting because, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I actually listened to it because I was curious, but also almost as a point of reference for me to explore this podcast, uh, like uh, scripted podcast thing. Absolutely. Man. And when I heard it, I was like, yo, like he's talking just kind of just telling a straightforward like we're hanging out hanging out telling basically. a straightforward story um very easy to understand yeah. where the story's going and having a lot of it even just being narrated by the the, the friends and family totally. you have on it or whatever yeah and it was the best it was so it was so comforting to know like damn like i think <laughs> i can tell my stories and absolutely way too. good 100 and i feel like you know a lot of us like we're already great storytellers because like we come from like families and traditions of storytellers right because you know i learned how to tell stories by listening to my aunts and my uncles tell these like you know crazy ass like dramatic stories about life and about ghost stories or whatever right yeah. and i think like you know we want to hear ourselves right like I made this show for like my friends and my family essentially right like and i feel like the difference today is folks of color historically right you know we've had to like have white folks a- as a reference as the audience true you know true. and 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 folks have been like well if white people won't understand then it won't be successful right you know like it's, it's not gonna hit but i feel like now there's been a change where it's like we're actually making stuff for our family and friends and white folks fuck with that even more Right. Like there's less explaining in our stories, you know, right. like the onus is on them to like do their research, you know, yeah. not, not us. Like we're done, like explaining shit, like right. we're exhausted. <laughs> right. We really are. Yeah. No, you know what I actually appreciate, man, is that we have homies in our communities that aren't able to get their voice heard yeah. a lot of times. Yeah. You know, I got I got these like wild ass homies, <laughs> Same. you know, right. and right. who have like crazy stories and, right. and coming from crazier background even than me. Yeah. But I know like, oh, I have this platform or right. like a gift of yes. storytelling mm-hmm. and I can take that and really share it because 
I feel like a lot of times I have that duty too because mm -hmm. I feel bad when like outsiders come in and uh, even the homies could get very defensive in a For way. Sure. Where they can push that, push them away, For sure. and they all of a sudden get, um, you know, outshined and like ignored. Right, the voices get ignored. Right, and I feel like there needs to be these bridges mm -hmm. of people who can go into a board meeting with twelve white dudes and kill the story right, for right. them. Right, 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 right. You know right, what right. I'm no, saying? No, I, I hear you, man, and I feel like that's our responsibility, right? That you know, and it's not a burden. You know, like, like in no way I think is that a burden. I think it's like it's, it's not even pressure. It's just like, you know what? Like I've been put in this situation for a reason. Right. right. Like whether it's God, whether it's the universe, whatever it is. Right. I'm here. What do I do with this platform? What do I do with this responsibility? Like, like, you know, the the the, the goal is to always bring the hood to the table. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and I feel like we're at the table, but we're also inviting the homies too, so, so to speak. No, I, I think you do that in your podcast. You bring a lot of the, you reconnect with some homies. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And uh, those conversations are pretty deep, man. <laughs> they're so deep, man. They are, they're so deep. And yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm happy, man. Was I'm that happy. shit therapeutic, actually? this Dude, like I'm, you know, like I've been in therapy for like the past two years, right? Yeah, yeah. And I feel like this show and this podcast, like just let me know that like there's still a lot of work to be done, mm -hmm. right? Because, you know, a, a lot of us like, We've been through some traumatic ass shit. That's what I was just about to say. Trauma, like Trump, past trauma. Bro. There's, there's, a lot of the the guests you bring on, like share those traumas. Share those traumas, and, and and you know, for a lot of us, like I feel like as POCs, as, as folks of color, like we do a great job of like compartmentalizing shit. You know, like put, putting shit in the back of our minds, like forgetting about it, like putting it under the rug, because like that's how we survive, right? But but for me in this show, it's like damn, it's like okay, like the teenage trauma, the childhood stuff, like it all has surfaced for me. And sometimes it's hard, you know, to, to talk about that. But but I know that, like, if I talk about it, if I'm vulnerable, then hopefully other other folks will be, too. Yeah. I mean, the first two episodes that you have out are about people finding different outlets for those traumas. Yeah. yeah. Whether it's the P-line or tagging. Like. Yeah. And, and, and it's interesting, right, because I feel like, you know, our communities, right, like, we don't have the access to, like, mental health services, right, to, to like, insurance often. So... We even have to find, like, not just creative ways to survive, but creative ways to, like, cope with, like, mental health stuff. So, so what do we do? We, like, paint walls. Like, that's art. That's right. therapy. We, like, go on the P-line, you know, to, like, find a space to, like, let things go. And that's what we do, you know? Yeah, no, I mean, that's essentially what hip-hop was, mm -hmm, too. Mm-hmm. You know? Exactly. I mean, and, and all these little subcultures that I got involved in, whether it's skateboarding and yeah. all that. And, and L.A. has a lot of that. <laughs> it's all that, man. For yeah, sure. L.A. is a lot of that. Um... So you're talking about going to different mediums, like that means television, mm -hmm. uh, film, and that could mean stuff with some of the stories you're telling in your yeah. podcast yeah, to yeah. see on the screen. Absolutely. You excited, like excited to take that to the visual <laughs> aspect of it? Yeah, man. Like, you know, I'm, I've always been interested in like evolution of stories, right? And and to me, like the, the podcast, like, you know, it has so many elements that like already scream like television, you know, and, and mm. our cinematic and our visual. And for me, like, it's just like, you know, being in a position where like I'm also at the helm of those conversations, right? Where like I'm not just selling a show, and and just like you know not being involved, but I'm actually writing now. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm producing it because like, you know, who knows these stories better than us, right? So I'm, I'm excited about that evolution. Um, I think that's what I'm, I'm really focused on. Do right you now. feel like a lot of the, um, the media in the past couple of years has been a drastic change, far as you know the stories being told? I think so, man. I think like y you know for a lot of us like young younger folks of color, like we you know are finding that like our stories like you know are really. I mean, we've known they've been important and beautiful, but it's like now there's like 
more space for them and more platforms for them you know and w whether it's like a show like atlanta or like rami yeah. or whatever like you know these shows just, just let us know that like our stories can, can can be on the screen like if if you had just a log line of what kind of stories you're trying to tell like what would it be yeah man you know like i really tell stories like of course about the human experience right but yeah. like I tell stories about belonging, man, about what it means to belong to something, mm. right? Because, like, that's something in, in my personal life that I've always struggled with, you know? Like, black, brown, what am I sort of thing, you know? And, and so for me, it's like I'm trying to find those answers in, in, in the questions I ask people, Yeah, you know? So, like, it, it's kind of this, like, therapeutic thing that, that I'm actually doing. Like, I'm, I'm working. I'm, I'm, like, documenting. I'm, I'm working on stories, but I'm actually, like, trying to heal myself, right? essentially. So, so it's, like, it's always about belonging. It's always about, like, community and, and identity mostly. You know, that's a good thing you brought up about you um, th with these identity crises. Like, you know, I had that growing up as well. But you being black and Latino, yeah. like... That's an interesting mix for Los Angeles, Man, if you think about it. Because I actually have another homie, too, who's okay. half and half like that. Okay. And uh, we don't talk about that because there's there's a lot of friction, too, between two communities That's in right. Los Angeles, That's too. Right. That's right. That a lot of people may not know or whatnot. Mm -hmm. um, it's, you know, this that the friction really doesn't exist much in the East Coast, like right. in New York. Right, totally. It, but it's something that's very L.A. Mm -hmm. Like, what was that experience like for you? Man, it was, it, it was tough, right? Because on one hand, you got, like, the media telling you that like black and brown folks hate each other yeah like gang wars gang wars yeah. you know race riots which i experienced in schools like there were race riots yeah i'm like fuck what do i do yeah yeah you know, I'm, I'm like shit, shit i'm gonna just stay home today fuck <laughs> right, you know? right 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 like, you know i love you i love you i'm not gonna fight nobody so so it's like it, it's complicated man but also you know in our, the the anti-black racism that exists in our families too is deep like on my mexican Interesting. side you, okay. you, you know a lot of love from like from from, from you know mexican family but also you, you always got like some relatives we're on the anti-black shit you know so it's like as a child trying to like grow up and like have this healthy uh, idea of who you are like it hurts to have people in your family you know feel feel like a type of way about you um but like la also is, is hella black and brown you know like a, a it lot, is that's it, that's what's confusing it's confusing yeah you're in los angeles and uh we know it's it's diverse but it can be very segregated For sure. too. For um sure. but i i know when i was growing up i'm uh there was a lot of all this media stuff between black and brown communities, right. um, gang wars that right. were always talked about. Right. And of course, it was it wasn't. I'll admit it wasn't like the East Coast or something like the Puerto Rican Dominican right. uh, community com with with the black community, right? You know. And I was just like curious, like how when you were in the midst of it all, <laughs> man. It was a trip, man. Like it, like I'm I'm still trying to ask myself that question about like like how to exist in a world where I can be both at the same time. Um, but you know, it's it's a question I think I'll, I'll struggle for a long time. Yeah, I mean, you uh, you have it in your name right there, Walter <laughs> yeah. Thompson Hernandez. It's deep, man. <laughs> like the, the longest name, I got like all the letters in the alphabet, man, right there. No, I think it's dope though, because if you really see the half black oh, for and sure. brown right <laughs> there, Walter right there. Thompson Hernandez. Off top, man, for sure, one hundred percent. Yo, I'm stoked for the projects that's coming out, bro. And I, you know, I really wanted to follow up with you just because after we chatted, just after that dinner, I really connected, man. One hundred percent, man. Like, it was it was mutual. I, I, I want to do something with yeah, this dude yeah, right here. Yeah, no, no, no. You know, I, I feel like we have been homies for a long time, man. Yeah, for real. You that's know? what it felt like. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yo, uh, where can Cats can find this book on everywhere. Amazon everywhere. You're doing a book tour right now. Virtual book tour. Oh, vir yeah, <laughs> virtual book tour. It's, it's a whole different vibes right now Dude. with press junkets for you know artists or creatives putting stuff out right now. It's definitely different. How's that been? It's a trip. I don't love it. Um, like I'm, I'm staring at screens all day right. long. Like 
all the Zoom backgrounds, you know, it, it's but it is what it is, bro. Like, yeah, it, it could be worse, you know. Like, we're, like we're still very privileged to be able to like have things out in the world that we got to like, hundred percent, like, like you know, talk about. So I, I, I feel lucky, man. How does that like? How does feeling dropping a book feel? And I know how it feels like to drop an album. <laughs> right, right, right. It's like a book. Just I feel like it, it would hit different. It, it, <laughs> man, it hits different because it's it's an actual like tangible physical thing. Right, right. right. Like, like I can walk around with this book and be like, "Yo, I wrote this shit, right?" <laughs> but I, I mean, it feels good, man. I feel like, like I still can't believe it. Like you holding that book is wild to me. Like I, I wrote that book, you know. But it, it feels cool. Like you get to a certain age. Like this has happened to me in the last couple of years, where you got homies who do amazing things, but now you got homies who drop books. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like I got like like five, six homies who got books out I, I, right I now. I got books in the world. Yeah, it, that feels dope to have a core group of homies who've yeah. done that. And 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 you know like for for like a lot of folks in my family like now it makes sense right because because you know a, a, a lot of our relatives don't know what we do yeah right they're like what do you do you like tell stories what do you mm. do but like they could hold a book and be like oh you wrote this book okay I get it now yeah. right so it, it it makes sense for them. That's how you're gonna you're gonna pull up with the Spanish translator. Right, exactly. <laughs> it's game over right there, game over bro. Right there. Game. You could cop, you could cop the book Amazon and, and Barnes and Nobles, all that stuff on on websites everywhere. Um, also the podcast, which I highly recommend, especially if you're an LA cat. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's fun for everybody. If you don't even know don't know about those worlds, it'll really paint that picture for you. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called California Love, uh, Walter Thompson Hernandez. You could type either one right to find it for sure. Yeah, you can totally. find it. Um, yo, thanks for pulling on, man. Appreciate you, man. I Thank appreciate you, you bro. Super dope. All right, tune in next week for another episode of Fun With Dumb. Peace. Yee.